Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the last word on Spurs. My name's Richard Cracknell, supporter of Tottenham Hotspur, who still are top of the Premier League. Can you believe it? What a weekend of twists and turns. And like they say, this Premier League may not technically be the best in the world, but it is number one in the world because it is the most entertaining. Dramas, twists and turns. Oh, it's all happened today. All happened this weekend. Spurs have lucked out a little bit with other results. But hey, sometimes you need a little bit of luck to deliver those trophies. So helping me today to look back on the Spurs game and also to look forward to Wednesday's absolutely gigantic game. Yes, gigantic, huge, enormous game against Liverpool is... Jamie Brown via the Daily Hotspur. Evening, Jamie. Good evening. Yeah, um, I don't know. A frustrating evening for sure. I think, um, you know, it was a very disappointing performance. I think there's, you know, you can blame maybe the players and and maybe the way we did set up with Jose Mourinho and then the, the, the substitutions. But um, I think we definitely got away with one with uh, Liverpool dropping points as well. So it's been a real uh, kind of roller coaster of emotions that I was absolutely gutted after that point. Uh, that we got at Selhurst Park, and but then for to see Liverpool go and drop points as well, uh, kind of makes it feel a bit better. So you know, it's nice that we can come onto the pod being in a bit more positive than we were a couple of hours ago. Absolutely right. Also joining us this show, it's the one and only via Lily White Rose, John Wenham. John, hello, mate. Hello, Rich. How you doing, mate? Yeah, it's it's funny one as Jamie alluded to. You know, a couple of hours ago, we we're all quite disappointed, but look. 
at the end of the day, nobody wins every week. I think that's a point we really have to hammer home here. You know, all the good teams, historically, they drop points occasionally. Today was our day, but we've earned that right to have a couple of blips from the excellent form we've shown in our previous, say, five games. You know, the win against Manchester City, the win against Arsenal, the point at Stamford Bridge, the win over Man United, Pummelham 6-1 at Old Trafford. We've had some fantastic results. Today, Palace look a, a bit of iffy form, but they've got two spectacular players in uh, Wilfred Zaha and Eze, who was superb today. Um, and for me, it's a decent point. You know, it, when I look at the other results, it feels like we've been saved. We are still top of the table. I think that's what people have to remember. I thought Gaeta had an excellent game in goal for uh, Palace. And I was slightly disappointed that we didn't seem to learn anything, though, from our 1-1 draw at Palace last year. It was a bit of a repeat of that game. Um, so that, that was disappointing that we haven't learned from that exact fixture. But look, in hindsight, we're top of the table. Another week's gone. It's mid-December and we're top of the table. You know, these weeks are ticking by. If we keep going as we are, things are going to start looking rosy. So I'm still positive. And uh, as I've always said, the year ends in one. Excellent stuff. And finally, pulling into Platform One via uh, where, uh, via The Apprentice. Yes, let's go with The Apprentice. Yes, of course. Winner of The Apprentice, as you as you all know. Stop saying Apprentice Crackers and just introduce him. It's the one, the only, Mr. Lee McQueen. Crackers, crackers, boys, listeners, how's everyone getting on? Bit like Jamie, to be fair. Um, I was I was a bit down in the dumps actually, as the WhatsApp group, uh, if it ever becomes public, will uh, will will all know. Um, and I was disappointed tonight. I have to be honest with you. We've got away with one. Um, it's uh, we've had a couple of stinkers in Europe this year. Today wasn't a stinker. We was on the front foot. I thought we played well in the first half. Um, some good chances. Um, but when you look at the stats, and you know I love my little blue book here, Crackers, you, when you look at the stats, we had more passes, we had more possession, uh, we had more shots on target, uh, we had more, more attempts, um, but we had zero counter-attacks and we let in a goal. Um, and for me, I, I don't think I'd be saying this, I didn't think I'd be saying this, but I, I would have taken a 1-0 win. Uh, today with a low block uh, rather than seven or eight chances uh, at, at goal. And maybe that's Jose's got into my head. Maybe I'm just too easy to, to, to turn. But actually, you know, like you said, we got away with one. We're top of the league still uh, because of other results around us. And, you know, weirdly enough, we've actually gained a point uh, above Chelsea uh, because of the, the, the other results. Um, but yeah, I'm sure we'll get into it. Um, you know, that I'm not going to lie, that Liverpool-Fulham uh, result, I thought Fulham were excellent, and that's really buoyed my mood for, for, for this pod. Um, I will always go back into default, which is Mr. Positivity, but I was disappointed because we're better than that tonight, and, uh, and we've, we've, we've dropped two points. Make no bones about it, we dropped two points today. We certainly did, and uh, I think this is going to be a pod where more than the actual game itself is going to be discussed in the the way we played and the other games that have happened this week. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know even if we're going to say much about the game at all because there is just so much happening away from those 90 minutes at Sellers Park. Of course, we'll talk a little bit about it. Um, Spurs started today with Loris in goal, Aurier, uh, Toby Alderweireld, Dyer and Regulon uh, at the back four. And then across the middle, Hoiberg, Sissoko and Dembele. We made a welcome return today. Stephen Bergwijn, Son and Kane. So a good, strong lineup, And you really did fancy us uh, today to, to go there and go and do the business. And um, we'll start with you, uh, Jamie. It was a little bit on from what Lee touched on now. 
couple of games now this season where we have been a little bit more open and not gone with this low block and um, like the West Ham game. Uh, yeah, they've not produced results. We've ended up with draws. And then when we have gone for that classic Mourinho style of play, it's, it's bore fruit. So, I don't know, we seem to be at like this little bit of a crossroads at the moment of like, do we constantly go with this Mourinho play or which, as I say, bears fruit? Tough one. Yeah, like today I thought we sat back. Um, I think there was a lot for a lot of the game we did sit back and it, well, that was frustrating because you felt as though Crystal Palace, they did have a real threat today. I think if you sat back for that long, they were always going to break us down. I think against Arsenal, Man City, we saw that they didn't quite have that... Um, Although they had a lot of possession, they just weren't able to quite break us down. You felt as though the way the game was going, that it needed to change. I think one thing today we needed to learn is that we've got to be uh, proactive rather than reactive. I think there was a lot of times where we were under a lot of pressure today and we looked scared on the ball. Um, obviously, Palace did look threatening. I think, you know, as, as John said, Eze and Zahar, I think, are two very good players. And they were causing us a lot of problems. And I think we needed to kind of change and maybe try to look to play on the front foot a bit more. So, um, yes, I think a lot of the blame for me goes on, on some of the quality of the performances today. But I think there's also criticism can be of the manager. Yes, I know. I, I do really, you know, I love him and I always back him. But I think today that there can be some slight criticisms of him. And uh, again, for me, it was just uh, learning to try and be uh, proactive uh, rather than reactive today. Yeah, spot on there. John, uh, talking uh, of that, what, uh, leading on from what Jamie said there and the way we played, uh, Jose Mourinho's post-match comments, if I may fast forward to that at this point, a little bit more like Nostradamus and Jose Mourinho, because he's turned around and said, I want to admit that they couldn't try for the second goal. It's not that we didn't, it's because we couldn't. It just, just a bit, almost as if uh, playmakers couldn't actually play today. So that was that us not being good enough, or was that Palace countering that threat and then getting something out of the game uh, with that free kick and headed goal? Yeah, I think a lot of credit has to go to Palace. Actually, I think they really stopped us uh, playing in an effective way that we uh, often play in. I think um, they were fairly you know, solid in the middle of the park and, and they've got that really exciting outlet of wingers with sheer direct pace. So I think a lot of it has to come down to the way Palace played today. They've obviously watched us. And I think that must be considered is Palace had a complete free week. We played on Thursday night and that would have had some bearing in the game as the fixture went on. I know we make a lot of changes in those European games, but we actually brought on five of our starting players today uh, and Reginald also started that game on, on Thursday. So there will be some tired legs out there and we've played a lot of high intensity games as well. You you know, these games against Arsenal, Manchester City, Chelsea, they don't just take the minutes out of you. They're quite physically and mentally draining on the players as well, you know, to get over those big euphoric wins. So we've had a lot of difficult games coming up. And maybe, look, we just fell a little bit short today, which is disappointing. Could we have made different subs or maybe changed formation or tactics? Maybe. Um, it's easy looking at those things in hindsight. And I believe and look, the players and Mourinho would have thought, look, we've brought up such a confidence of keeping clean sheets we can do the same again today against Palace. We've kept clean cheeks against better teams in the last couple of weeks and we'll probably do it again. And it's unfortunate the way the goal came today. I think Lloris could have handled that better. But like Mourinho, I'm not going to accept any criticism of him. I think he's been absolutely phenomenal and truly lived up to his bill as the World Cup winning captain since Project Restart. I think he's been exemplary and probably the best goalkeeper in the Premier League um, since that period of time. So, look, it's just an unfortunate one today. Could we have changed things? Maybe. Uh, I think we were slightly unlucky too. Obviously, Bale was... Uh, not well today. 
he, he could have been a different option for us today, especially for maybe set pieces with his, his height and his, his heading ability. Um, but that's something we'll see over the coming weeks. I, w- I was pleased to see Deli Ali came on and he looked slightly, you know, bright and, and stuff. So that's a good option for us for the coming weeks. Uh, but in hindsight, uh, I just think Palace played played fairly well in terms of stifling our normal tactics today. Yes, spot on. Just one for the uh, clarifications and, and apologies. That wasn't a slup header, of course. It was uh, him just smashing one in. So before you go tweeting me and uh, correct, correcting me, it was, uh, yeah, the, the slup goal was obviously from the free kick and Loris uh, spilling it out. And uh, yeah, as you said, Loris, he, he saves us in more games than he, than he costs us, absolutely. So uh yeah, you, you can't you can't really get into a, a player for one mistake, Lee. Well, it's interesting. It's interesting here, Crackers, because uh, we're just going to listen to questions here. We've got JJ at Josie Japan, uh, Jose Japan, nineteen seventy eight, that basically says, "Old Larice was back today. Do you think it's about time uh, that we bought a new keeper in the summer? Uh, no way, Oblique was missing that. So I think <laughs> I think that's really harsh. I mean, absolutely harsh. But you know, it's it's from from, from the listeners' questions. Um, and again, uh, there's there's a there's a few here that I can just rattle off if uh, if if you don't mind, guys. Just yeah, go for listeners. it. Should uh, Caroline uh, Stefko at uh, CJ Stefko um, on Twitter should Dyer be taking free kicks going forward at least until Bale's back in the squad? It was a peach of a free kick, wasn't it? Absolutely brilliant save. Um, uh, Ralph uh, Ferengi, sorry if I've got that wrong, Ralph. Um, at Ralph Ferengi, um, someone's very quiet. You know, when he's in this type of mood, he's likely just to disappear in the game. Should he have been subbed earlier or, or, or maybe even after the hour? Likely to be uh, to have more rather than Delhi at that stage, though. So, um, uh, Ralph's thinking that Son uh, was, uh, you know, went missing a bit. Sam Lewis um, at Sammy Boy 23 says two points dropped today. Such a frustrating second half performance until Palace equalized. Then we stepped up. Um, Habib as well. Um, Habib Hyatt at Habib Hyatt. Does Jose Munoz have insurance policies on his house or his car? Defending a one nil lead <laughs> until 17 minutes is very high risk <laughs> without insurance of another goal, especially when the counter attack is numb. Um, for, again, that's uh, very, very interesting. So lots and lots of uh, people kind of coming in. Uh, Phil at Love Day as well. Uh, difficult question, special one, as I'm sure he's, at, he's got one eye on the Liverpool uh, game midweek. So didn't want us pressing all the game. But I wonder uh, why we don't press for a second uh, before sitting back. Like Johnny agrees with you. Uh, their goalkeeper, Guetta, mm-hmm. had a bloody man of the match uh, display. Uh, kept them three outstanding saves. I mean... They were outstanding saves, weren't they, Crackers, to, uh, to, oh, to be fair? Um, and just just quickly, finally, we'll come back to Nissa's questions afterwards, but Nick Flanagan at Nick Spurs 11. Why did we drop off once we'd scored? Surely we have enough quality to continue to attack them. A 1-0 lead was never going to be enough. So again, I think it's quite interesting the way some of the fans, uh, some, some, some of the listeners are, are, are looking at the game and analysing the game the, the way we do. I mean, my, my, my two pennies worth is that I don't think we did either. I don't think we had a game plan in the second half. First half, I disagree with Nick there. I think, I think we played well. Uh, there's some really good opportunities in the first half. Um, and again, like, like I made the point earlier, that Kane had a almost a speculative shot. I mean, um, uh, you know, I've se- we've, we'll, we've all seen him do that time and time again. The amount of swerve and move was on that ball. Um, but, you know, we didn't have a shot like that in the second half until after they scored. Um, and, you know, you've got to question that, that side of things. 
Um, but I, I think that, you know, we had so much of the ball today, nearly uh, 58% of the possession of the ball, which is, you know, which is a lot for us in, in, uh, under Jose. Uh, seven shots on target, 14 shots in total, 624 touches, 447 passes, you know, 20 tackles, more than uh, battered pallets in all of them key departments. Um, but in the second half, we, we didn't kind of drop off and do low block and defend, did we? We didn't do that. We, we, we no. felt vulnerable. And then a silly mistake, silly fouls, Again, and I've lauded Sergio, and rightly so, he's been outstanding this season, but it was an unnecessary free kick to give away. And the old Tottenham were back. You know, that free kick, wanged into the box, bit of a scramble, bang, one all. And you just think, what are we doing here? So I just, I think that we didn't, we didn't defend and we didn't attack. We just didn't do anything. And that's why we drew the game. I think also as well, you know, we, we say, why didn't we go for that second goal? But as, as John said, you know, the number of times that we have gone 1-0 up and we've looked really good. You know, we've kept so many clean sheets this year and we've only con- before today, we'd only conceded like nine goals. So we should go and back ourselves. I think the problem it was is when it got late, uh, later and later in the game and you saw Palace coming on to us, that's maybe when we should have looked to maybe look to go more attacking because it clearly wasn't working. So um, I understand them sitting back, but when the game was starting to really go in their favour, that's when you had to change it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I can understand kind of both sides why we why we didn't all necessarily look for that second goal. Lads, I'm just chomping at the bit to answer one of those listener questions in regards to the Dyer free kick. Um, Eric Dyer, for me, should be our number one free kick taker. You know, I, I was in uh, Marseille when he scored that goal for England. It was right behind me. I'd never seen him take one ever before and he bent that right in the top corner. Since then, he's been allowed to take about three free kicks over a four or five year period. Whereas Kane has taken let's say 100 free kicks over that period of time. He scored the one deflected one against Villa, but he's never scored a single free kick since. So as much as for me, Harry Kane is the best player in the Premier League and you know he's outstanding at every quality, I do not want to see him taking free kicks anymore. I think it's time we let Eric Dyer have a consistent period of uh, opportunity. You know, not if he just misses one and that's it, he's off. Let's let him continuously take them. It was a great, great free kick today that would have beaten a lot of Premier League keepers and that would have secured us a massive three points. So let's give Eric Dyer an opportunity now to continue taking them. I think you have to be brave as Mourinho to come over to Kane and say, look, you know, we're going to mix this up a bit now. But he needs to do that. Mourinho showed no fear, you know, keeping Bale on the bench and making other big decisions. This is a big decision he has to make. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as well as the uh, listener point that uh, Lee read out, Dwayne uh, Flibble or Dwayne F. Libble, uh, whichever one you are, also made that same point about the dire uh, free kicks. And you're right, Johnny, he looks absolute quality on them. So let me just play devil's advocate for, for one minute here with, with Harry Kane. And listen, listeners, I'm not doubting anything for one minute about Harry Kane, but there was a huge amount of debate over the Champions League final when he came in again and looked a little bit off of it. The free kicks as well, Dyer looks a much better prospect at free kicks. Is there a little part of Harry Kane that maybe wields a bit too much power at the, at the club? Is is that is that a fair thing? Is it is there anything in that at all, or am I just seeing something that's really not there? I think you are seeing something that is slightly there, but I think he's done enough. To warrant that, if you ask me, he's got the keys to the stadium, he's got the keys to Tottenham for me. What he says goes, that's just my opinion. Even in hindsight, now was that that Champions League final, I would start Harry Kane again today. You know, for me, he is Mr. Tottenham, he symbolizes what we're about, the growth we're on, that run up to that Champions League final. You know, him just 
he symbolises everything that I love about Tottenham. And, and if I want to win a big game, he deserves to play in it. He's dragged us out of so many difficult situations and led us to so many great memories and successful times. And to have left him out in that scenario would have been criminal. And sometimes I think, you know, we have to sort of do what he says. He's given us so much loyalty, extended his contract so many times, never angled for a move away, never leaked anything bad to the press through himself or an agent. So for me personally, Harry Kane does have a lot of say at Tottenham, but with the free kicks, Jose just needs to be brave. Absolutely. Jamie, for you? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think um, you, you look how uh, the way he is professionally and the way he is on the pitch in terms of his quality, I think he's earned kind of that right to really have that real say at Tottenham. So I've got no problem with that, but exactly the same as John, I think it's definitely time for him to kind of get off free kicks um, and maybe leave them to someone like Dyer or, or maybe Bale. So um, there's, there's, lot, there's a couple of options in there, but yeah, for me, Harry Kane, that's, that's the last I want to see of him on free kicks. Okay, Lee, what about yourself and, and Kane? Is there any anything in there or am I just being too much of a devil's advocate? Almost a devil's advocado. Stick him on free kicks, mate, against Anfield and he scores a winner, an absolute blinder. I don't care if it comes off somebody else's butt. No, no, I agree. I I, I think that, you know, I don't I don't think he's wheeling too much power. He can do whatever he wants, to 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 be honest. Um, you know, for, for me, I agree with John completely. The guy is Mr. Tottenham. Um, and, and, and I love him to, uh, to the core. Um, but, you know, it's a bit like Roy Hodgson, who, who was opposition manager tonight, putting him on bloody corners in the, uh, in the European Championships for England. I mean, are you having a laugh or what? Like, he's the best, best striker in the world and you, you, you got him taking corners. Um, take him off free kicks, get Eric Dyer to, to, to have a burn. And it's, it's ironic. I, I don't want to be shoulda, coulda, woulda. I don't like working in hindsight because it is what it is. But it is ironic, isn't it, that the free kicks that we had tonight, because we had probably three from memory, maybe four in and around. If Gareth Barrow was on that pitch, he'd have taken all of them and probably stuck, struck one in the back of the net. Um, and it's on, uh, today's game, again, I agree with, with, with John, what you said earlier, it probably suits, it suited a Gareth Barrow. Ironically, he was ill and he wasn't in the squad today. But actually, if there was any time that you wanted, because we had more of the ball, there was not, there was not as much kind of tracking back and all that jazz, um, it would have suited Bow and almost a free roll like Wilf was playing. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, there's a couple of other points on today's game as well. Um, at uh, Pucker Plumber, thanks for sending this. Is, and, and thanks to everybody that does send in your points and questions, as always. He said... Uh, did we rope a dope palace when we should have been braver with them? And at VDV uh, WHL said, did we concentrate too much on the big six games and take other teams a little bit for granted? So I think what he means is, um, is there a little bit of complacency uh, where, where we have this low block and a real concentration of hitting teams on the counter when we play on Arsenal, Chelsea, Man City? Any, do you think there may have been a little bit of complacency today against uh, against Palace? Maybe not seen as such a threatening team, but ultimately did actually get one. Uh, I'll come to you with that, John. Yeah, not for me. You know, I, I feel like we, we've gone to teams with, with lesser players than Palace, the likes of West Brom, uh, Brighton, um, Burnley, and, and won those fixtures. You know, so um, not for me. And I also think that Palace actually, I think Zaha is a better forward player and more dangerous forward player than anybody Arsenal have got, for example. Um, so, 
yeah, no, not for me. I just think that it was one of those days today. Nobody wins every week. We just had a bit of a blip today. And I feel like our results from earlier on in the season have earned us the right to have a blip now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jamie, for you on those points? Yeah, look, today I think we kind of, we well, I think we certainly respected Palace in terms of the way that we did set up defensively. We knew they'd have some real threats in Eze and, um, and Zaha. And then, of course, Benteke got two last weekend. I'm not saying he's a great player, but he's shown that he can score goals. So, um, I think in that respect, maybe we did show them, um, you know, certain uh, respect as well. So, um, but I also think as well, you look at the performance of Guaita today, I thought he was absolutely superb and that really made a big difference. Maybe on another day, we certainly would have taken all three points. I just think that they had that little bit of luck when it came to a couple of the saves and he really, really made a big difference today for them. Yeah, absolutely. Coming back to you quickly, John, before I throw that to Lee, uh, just on that point of Eze, I saw on social media earlier that Spurs uh, may have had a chance to actually sign him and what a signing he would have been. So uh, just a little bit more meat on the bone of the tweet that you put back to somebody about Eze and us having a look at him. Yeah, I mean, he was extensively scouted by Tottenham. Um, I know that David Pleat had really sort of in-depth discussions with Les Ferdinand about that transfer. Chris Ramsey as well is obviously at QPR and Eze really wanted to come to Spurs. David Pleat put it to Daniel Levy and Hitchin. Uh, I think it was agreed for, it was going to be five and a half million, basically. They wanted a 20% sell-on and some other add-ons, you know, depending on what we did. And it was deemed too much of a risk at the time, you know, which I find laughable. When I, And this was about 18 months ago, at a time, you know, where we'd recently invested money in the likes of Nkudu and NG. Instead of going out and getting a homegrown, young English talent that had been absolutely smashing it for QPR. And since that point, let's be fair, since that point, he did get significantly better. He had a dip in form. Um, but he was he was desperate to come to Tottenham. Um, he's very friendly with some of the other lads that are at Tottenham in the youth setup. Um, so yeah, it was really disappointing that we didn't get him. And it's once again David Pleat has been ignored. He highly recommended James Madison to the club. He highly recommended Demari Gray to the club. Look, and I know Demari Gray hasn't set the world on on fire, but we could have got him for about two million quid at the time. Uh, another one was Lookman, who's now playing for Fulham on loan from Leipzig. So David Pleat has an extensive knowledge of youth football in England. He knows absolutely everyone out there. He's got all the contacts and it's frustrating that he's been ignored on a few occasions. The time we have taken his advice, we brought in the likes of Jermaine Defoe, Deli Ali, Anthony Gardner, Matthew Everington and some of those players maybe didn't reach great heights but they were bought for near to nothing, you know, and sold for a profit and delivered a lot of games for Tottenham Hotspur. So, I really, really wish we'd listened to David Pleat a little bit more because he's the absolute expert on anybody coming through in English youth football. Uh, don't, don't ignore an old wise head sometimes, eh? I think is the uh, lesson to be learned now. Lee, just coming to you on that point I made before I went off up a uh, cul-de-sac, a little tributary with John, and um, just about us maybe being a little bit complacent, lacking a bit of concentration, because Palace aren't perceived to be a City or a Chelsea or an Arsenal. Do you think that was the case today? Maybe, maybe um, it fits. It fits with my thinking a little bit from today with my disappointment. I think the other key thing is that, that Palace are a counter-attacking team, so they they play not long balls. Let's call them long passes and be disrespectful, but uh, they they play balls to Benteke. Um, they play balls to Benteke, who uh, kind of won most of his headers and the second ball knockdown. So you know they get their pace in, in and behind. 
uh, Zaha um, being able to take the ball down and cause all sorts of problems. Um, and interestingly, today we had the ball, um, and we haven't done that in them in them other big games because we played a different way—a mid block or a low block. I think it was a mid block against City, a low block maybe against Arsenal or Chelsea. It was, and then a, a mid to low block versus a bit of a possession block. I don't know what Jose talks about, but the reality is, is that we let them them teams have the ball, and I think we're we're comfortable now under Jose, and Jose is definitely comfortable saying, "Go on, then you, you have the ball." Um, they didn't let us have the ball. Uh, sorry, we didn't let them have the ball or they didn't want us to have the ball in the first half. So we had all the possession. I mean, it was, I think in the first half, something like 70% possession. And I think we played pretty well on the front foot. Great stuff. Crazy train. Get it started fast. Happy days. Um, in the second half, we didn't do either. And that was my point I made earlier. We didn't do it. We didn't go front foot and we didn't go, you know, middle low block either. We didn't say to him, we said have the ball. They had a lot of the ball. And that's why, you know, in the second half, they probably had more possession than, than, than we did. But, but we didn't defend the way that we normally defend when we haven't got the ball because we wasn't set up to do that. Coming back to your point, was it, was it because it wasn't a big six side? I'm not sure. I just think it was probably because we didn't have, they didn't have the ball, if that, if that makes sense. Well, that wasn't the plan. The plan was that they were going to counterattack us so we were going to have the ball. Second half, they had the ball and therefore we kind of didn't really do anything. Does that make sense? Look, when, when they scored, this is, this is what frustrates me and probably you guys and all of the listeners as well. When they scored, after that, they didn't have one meaningful on target or anything, Palace. It was all Spurs. And when um, Jamie Whiteley said that, that you know, the Guetta, the, the, uh, the goalkeeper, he started pulling out all these saves after they scored, right? You know, let's get, let's get this right. So my frustration is why couldn't we have done that 20 minutes earlier, 30 minutes earlier. Why could we have not have done that? Or or let them have the ball, soak them up and counter-attack. And we didn't have one counter-attack today. So so that that for me is that's where we're, we're, we're coming away thinking, hang on, we played so well against all them other teams that you noted that you you noted earlier, crackers. And and yet we haven't we haven't really the game plan was there. You know, Jose is to blame with some of the substitutions that we talked about before as well. You know, why why not bring on certain, you know, make dips, certain changes? If you know that we're not low blocking or mid blocking and they've got the ball, why haven't we changed it to do something slightly different? You know, it was, it was a classic geo for Ndumbele on the 63rd minute. You know, we, we all knew that that was going to happen. He didn't, he, didn't be, he didn't change the game, did he? It was just fresh legs. You know, he didn't bring on, he didn't bring on Lucas for Bergy, uh, you know, to, to freshen it up. You know, like the listeners' question said earlier, Son had a quiet game. I think it's really interesting. George picked this up on, on the pod midweek, George Sessions, when he said, would you rest Son? Do you remember? He actually said, would you mm-hmm. rest him? Is yeah. he getting tired? And actually, today, it looked like he needed a rest. Quite interesting. So maybe yeah. George picked something up there from, from, from the last pod. So I'm, I'm not sure that... I don't think that we... we I think it was... If, it, if we did switch off for that, I think it was subliminal. I don't think we meant to do it, but nonetheless, it, it happened. And th- there was definitely a drop-off in the second half without really doing anything about it. Yeah, absolutely. Jamie, coming to you, and uh, from my notes, looking for it, it's like from about the hour mark onwards, at 69 minutes, there was a big chance for Schlupp, who, who should have buried buried that and missed it. 79 minutes, I've put in need to change tactics to counter this pressure. And then, of course, on 80 minutes, in the, the, goal, the goal comes along with something that spurs an Achilles heel from that point, a foul over that side, the edge, just, just on the level with a D, ball comes in and, and it's one all. So 
just throwing it out to you, Jamie, is there anything you would have done maybe on about the hour mark to either reinforce a low to mid block and do that better to protect the 1-0 or to get more on the front foot to get a second goal and a cushion? Yeah, look, I, I think one player that I would have maybe brought up and looked to bring on uh, a Lucas Moura or even Deli Ali. I actually thought Deli Ali came off the bench and um, did okay today. So, um, but Steven Bergvine, I thought, was quite frustrating. Um, I think he worked very hard and maybe against a Chelsea and a Man City when we need our wingers to come back and work hard. That's that's really good. But I think on a game today, we needed that quality. And unfortunately, Bergvine, he just didn't, he hasn't really seemed to produce that sort of quality where he picks out a key pass or he, or he, or he scores the goals and he just didn't really look kind of very effective today. So I think that that's one change that I maybe would have looked to have made. Um, but again, it's just, you know, when, when the game is, when you're trying to soak up that much pressure and you see that there is a genuine threat from Crystal Palace today, and I think the crowd really helped them. I think we've seen that um, in a couple of games that having the crowd behind you, we saw that with the Everton game. I think that really helped them to dig in. And today, I think that really helped Palace. I think the, their supporters getting behind them kind of really helped them. Um, so, yeah, I think it was for us, we kind of needed to look to change the game plan. Maybe Sissoko coming off. I know he's a guy that obviously works very hard in the midfield, but I think we could have done again with maybe bringing on an attacking option. So um, there are a couple of things that I probably would have changed today. Um, and it is frustrating how late we left it because you saw the way that we played after the goal. We looked like really threatening. Um, it was just, again, it was you know a couple of great saves from the keeper that stopped us. So I think if you, you, you look at that last the last 10 minutes or so, and how well, how well we look going forward. It's, it's frustrating that we didn't look to do that earlier. Jamie, just to bring you up on a, a point there, uh, something I want to mention actually about, you know, things that happened in the game and maybe decisive substitutions or whatever. I noticed that when the Celso came on, almost instantly Zaha tried to pick a sort of row with him to maybe try and get in the mentality of the player or to cause a distraction or whatever that may be. Mm. Maybe based on matches Zaha's watched in recent weeks and the style of player the Celso is that he can get involved in a bit of a scrap and he's a bit niggly. Um, I thought that was quite interesting. But yeah, the point I really took from that was that both Hoybier and Dyer both sort of stood in front of Zaha to block him out of sight from uh, Le Celso, whilst the other one of them sent him away and basically said, you know, keep your head, ignore what he's saying. And it really showed me that actually we've got a couple of real leaders on the pitch. Hoybier, that, that comment uh, Jose said about he's the captain without the armband couldn't have been more true today. There was another period where Palace had a free kick outside the box. And it was Hoybier that was barking instructions, absolutely everybody, Kane included, where to stand, telling Loris where to stand, you know, you name it, he was marshalling everything. And I think that Hoybier, that is just hugely, um, you know, impressive, actually, his array of leadership skills that he's got there. And uh, I just thought that was a really interesting point to note. The other one is Bergwijn. Now, we've mentioned him earlier. He's not really getting the goals or assists now, is he? And it's quite frustrating because... In that game at Project Restart, the first one against Manchester United, he scored an absolutely subliminal goal, beating several players and then burying it into the bottom corner. But we've not seen him beat anybody since then. You know, in terms of that weaving, powerful, quick run, he's got the pace. So why don't we see it more? I think that's a question we need to discuss if he's going to continue starting games for us. He needs to be chipping in with either goals, assists, or just creating, you know, something for someone else to make the assist. I think the reason Jose Mourinho seems to really like him is if you look at kind of his work rate and the way he tracks back, I think we've seen it with Son as well, the way that he comes back and helps out in the defence. And again, it's that's useful in a game against a team like Chelsea or Manchester City where you're having to defend a lot. But when you want to kind of, you need that creativity and you need someone to maybe score a goal. It was, you know, it was like we're playing with a front two today at times. There just wasn't that quality from Bergvine. So again, yeah, I, I agree. It was, I thought he was very frustrating today. Yeah, coming to you, Lee, that's an interesting point about 
Berg won. He's apart from that first game where he showed he has got it in his lockup and he hasn't quite done that since. And we asked this about Bell. Is that something he's being asked to do just to be a little bit more conservative? And um, yeah, or, or is he just sort of had that initial burst and now maybe trying to settle into to a life in the Premier League? I think I think it's different with Bale um, because I think Bergvine has the ability to. He's still he's got the afterburners, whereas we're none of us are hundred percent certain if Bale's got the afterburners anymore. Um, but but we know Stevie has right hundred percent. We've seen it, um, uh, and and so and so whether or not he's being asked, look, we know he's asked to track back. We know he's asked to do the defending side hundred percent, and he works really hard. But that doesn't excuse the fact that he's got afterburners and he should be in a position to go counter-attack. I brought up three times. I'm going to bring it up a fourth time. I'm really sorry, listeners. But we had zero counter-attacks today. None. So, so in that second half, when Palace were pressing and everybody's thinking, oh, hello, you know, they're, they're, they're pressing on us a bit more. They've got more possession. No counter-attacks. None. We, 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 we had really nothing. And, and therefore, you know, when he's, when he's got his afterburners on... There's no point in having him because we didn't counterattack. So it didn't suit him today at one iota. So he become like a workhorse running around a lot, like Lucas. So let me say the same about I said about Lucas loads of times. I he runs around a lot. Um, and you know, Stephen Bergvine was that. Jose would love him for it because he worked half of the team. But the reality is that uh, you know it, the the game today, whether or not that was Palace managed, uh, uh, you know, managed it well or whether we didn't do anything. I think it was the latter, personally. Uh, but because we didn't have any counterattacks, it was never a position for him to go and have a, you know, go and get them off the burners on. So I think that, you know, to, to sum up on, on Stephen Bergwijn, I think that he's he's a very attacking player that has come from a league that, that he had free-flowing football at, you know, and he's coming to the Tottenham team whereby Jose schooled him a little bit, like he's done with everybody, to kind of, you've got to work both both ends. And therefore, he's working more behind than he is in front, and and I think that's that's the problem that we're seeing. What what frustrates me about our forward play, even if it's on counter attack or not, is that who's taking somebody on? You know, this isn't about Lee going back to Tottenham and getting your bums off your seat stuff and me moaning about style of play. I'm not. I'm not moaning about it. I'm just saying we've got the ability with the likes of Gareth Bale, with the likes of Son, with the likes of Bergwijn, who we're talking about, with the likes of Lucas. I mean, Lucas scored an unbelievable goal, the second goal that he scored in the Champions League semi-finals. Ridiculous feat, unbelievable feat. Why don't he do that in a football match? Regardless of if he's working backwards, why don't he do that when he gets the ball, drop a shoulder, have some... Just don't see that, you know, from, from, from the players. And Steven uh, Bergwijn's got the same thing as well. So, you know, like, like John, like you said, I totally agree. The goal that he scored was a counter-attacking goal against Manchester United when he scored that goal. Why can't he go and do that? Afterburners, brilliant finishing, fantastic. I mean, the goal that he scored against Man City was an unbelievable finish as well. He's got it in his locker. Lucas has got it in his locker. You know what? what you know they need to share it out a bit. You can't go through the whole season with just Son and Kane because it was a Son and I know we only got a point today, but it was the Son and Kane shown again today, wasn't it? Son with the assist and Kane with a goal. Like, but there's got to be some other people have got to start wading in and saying, "Hello, sir, put your hand up. I'll have a go. Come on, give it to me. I want a piece of the action." That's somebody else has got to step up and start doing that as well. And I think, but I think he's got the talent. I like the fella, but he's got to step up and do it as well. 
Yeah, I think for Bergwijn as well, you know, he's got, he's got a big tournament coming up with the Netherlands this summer. They'll fancy their chances of doing very well in that tournament. And he's got competition from Memphis Depay, uh, Donnie Marlon, who's scoring goals for fun in Holland. So he, he's got to get his assists and goals up to be selected for that tournament and to start that tournament as he'll want to. So he can't just go through this whole season with, you know, very limited numbers of goals and assists. Um, he needs to start contributing more, as you said, Lee. We can't just have those two, because if those two do have a bit of an off day, people are saying summer's quite quiet today, this would have been the perfect opportunity for Bergwijn to step up and, and get us those three points, but it just didn't happen. And I find that quite disappointing, and I'm hopeful that the more chances he gets, you know, we will start seeing some goals and assists, because we certainly do need those spread out throughout the team. Just one other player I want to talk about, we've mentioned him earlier on, um, and he's actually a Palace player. It's Christian Benteke. Now, I find it quite a shame to see what he's amounted to now. He's not the player that when he first came from Belgium and played for Aston Villa, I thought this guy is amazing. You know, he could score all kinds of goals. He had pace, he had power, height. And is it quite a shame to see, you know, what he's actually amounted to now? Now he's basically just the target man who doesn't score goals. I know he got two tap-ins against West Brom last week, but prior to that, he hadn't scored for the entire season in about 13 months or something. What do you guys think about Ben Because There was a period where I wanted him to come to Spurs 100%. I think apparently it's been three and a half, four years now since he scored back-to-back goals in games. So uh, no, I think you're right, John. He's yeah, he looked he looked like the real deal, and just a he's he's a he's a shadow of himself now. He's yeah, he's, he, he is a shame. Wasn't a shame to see today. Let's hope he recaptures that when he plays the lock down the road or against Liverpool or against Chelsea. And let's hope we see the Ben Teco of old for you, Jamie. Yeah, I think George read out a stat on the last pod about his goal record and it has been shocking. And you see that with lots of strikers, though. They kind of maybe it is a confidence thing. And I think that um, we've seen that many of times where they've been a fantastic striker and then they all of a sudden lose that confidence. But um, I just wanted to have a quick final say on Bergvine. Um, I read a really good piece on Ndombele during the week and it was about him settling in at Spurs. And um, obviously now it took him a, a, almost a year to kind of really see, start seeing the proper Ndombele. But you look at him, he came over here at the age of like 22 into a new country, into a new league. And it took him a really long time to kind of learn to adjust to that. I think in France, it said he got a lot of weight. He got um, let off with a lot of things in terms of when he was able to train. He didn't have to turn up for training every day and really put everything in. Um, and I think that that would be the similar situation with Bergvine. I think that it's going to take him a lot of time. It's very frustrating. And I think... Yes, you know, it has almost been a year since he's been here, but, it, you know, it will surprise you how long it can sometimes take you to kind of really start to get that confidence. And I think that that's maybe an issue with Bergbein. He's still adjusting to the league. Uh, he's still adjusting, as Lee says, still adjusting to kind of Jose Mourinho's new way of playing. Um, so I, I think there's, we all know there's talent there in, in Steven Bergbein, but I still think it's going to take him, continue to take him time to, to uh, try and get up to that level. But um, yeah, it's obviously frustrating at the moment uh, how he's been performing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Listeners, we're going to take a short break now. Uh, We'll be back in the second half. Of course, looking forward, as I said, to Wednesday's enormous game. A little bit of debate about Harry Kane as well and stuff that's been going on in the press this week and the way he's been treated. Uh, We'll also give you a little update on our friend Ron at the uh, care home as well. So don't go anywhere and we'll be back in the second half. 
Phoenix 51 is a powerful employee technology enabling organizations to make data-driven decisions at every stage of the employee journey from hiring through benchmarking and development too. The platform provides detailed analytics on the most important asset in your business, your people, enabling organizations not only to make the correct hiring decisions, but also how to benchmark, train and retain them. Phoenix 51, powering your people decisions through every part of the employee journey. And we're back. Welcome back to the last word on Spurs. So second half of the show, I think we're kind of done with today. Many lessons to learn. Don't get caught between two stalls. Either go classic Jose Mourinho, Jose Mourinho, however you want to say it, potato, potato. Or go full on Pochettino and just have a go. But don't do Jose Pochettino or uh, Maurizio Mourinho, okay? So this. We needed a Harry Redknapp today, crackers. Harry Redknapp. Do you know what, lads? We're going to have a go. We're just going to go and have a go. That's what we needed. Go and have a go. Go and beat them. Properly beat them up. Bloody 1 1. Are you having a laugh? Ever, never, ever go full on Christian Gross, okay? You can go (laughs) in any others, but never go. Full on Christian. He had a ticket, mate. He had a with, ticket with that with that ticket. <laughs> Do you know? I actually found out while we while we're chit chatting, he actually got a Piccadilly line train from Terminal Four up you, to Finsbury Park. Was you on that train? Were you driving that, that train? Well, I, I've I've often said if I'd have been driving that train and seen him on the platform. I would have just carried straight on and never <laughs> opened the doors. Oh, it's crazy train all the way back then. Love it. For for anybody new to my life and don't know what the hell I'm talking about, I was a tube train driver in a previous life. So, uh, yes, that was uh, so hence me getting all excited when Lee talks about train driving because I had 20, 25 years of it. So there you go. Anyway, um, just another little plug, of course, for DJ Amy Lauren and uh, her mixes before games. She puts out a little uh, collab. With uh, last word on Spurs and an hour's worth of uh, <laughs> music and uh, yeah, it's good stuff. So uh, yeah, brap 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 and uh, and all that all that malarkey. Yeah. So, uh, but listen, I have a, I have a little listening sometimes. I'm down with the kids and it's it's good stuff. I'm up, you know, having a little jig about as I'm making myself a nice chicken soup or something. So it's it's all good. Yeah. So brilliant stuff. Follow her on the socials at DJ Amy Lauren and uh, and for all your ear pleasures of a dance music kind. Also, another little update for you. Last show, we brought you uh, some news of Ron, who's uh, in a care home and used to go to uh, every Spurs game. Now, sadly, partially sighted and can't get along to the games. Um, we put an appeal out for birthday cards because um, he turns 99 on Christmas Eve. And I have to say, uh, I'm going to put a hat on. Hang on, let me put a hat on so I can take it off to everybody across Last Word on Spurs listeners and social media because the uptake has been absolutely phenomenal. There is cards galore going into him, shirts, scarves, badges, and not just from the UK, from Ireland as well, from Singapore, from Australia from America. So he has got cards going into him in his care, residential care home. 
from all Vaughn, over the place. Vaughn's going to be like, what is actually happening? Like, Vaughn's going to be like, <laughs> just inundated. I mean, you said you said a lovely story um, in the break crackers that some people are making shirts with Ron 99 on the back. I mean, that is absolutely... I mean, us fans are, you know, the Spurs community is amazing. Like, well done, everyone. It's so awesome. Vaughn's literally going to be like opening presents for days. It's going to be superb. Oh, brilliant stuff. And listen, like, let me just put this out there. If you have got an old neighbour or something over Christmas, go and give them a little knock on the door. See if they want a glass of eggnog or a little bit of shopping done. So it's not just Ron out there. There's a million Rons. And if you've got one near you and just a little knock on the door, a little you OK can make all the difference this time of year. So, uh, but listen, Spurs practice, family man. being the Spurs family, as always, and uh, have really stepped up with uh, with Ron. So uh, that's brilliant. I'm sure at some stage we'll get some pictures of him. And uh, but he's going to. I think his room's going to be like one of those holders that can barely get into their bed because it's going to be so. He's going to open up. the cupboard. He's going to open the cupboard. It's just <laughs> going to all fall on him. Everywhere. <laughs> Tottenham, no, Tottenham stuff just all over Ron. Brilliant. <laughs> brilliant stuff alright so well done well done Tottenham family proud of you as always brilliant um, now moving on uh, just before we get on to another little break uh, to hear from some previews of the Liverpool game I just wanted to touch on some of the media this week and the way they've dealt with Harry Kane and they keep looking into this what they perceive as dangerous play and this looking for the defender and backing in. And it's just struck me that I don't think I've ever seen any player of any club, maybe there has been, I may get corrected on the socials with this, but quite had their style of play dissected almost to the point of accusations. I'll, I'll tread carefully around this, but I really don't like the way the narrative's been put out there on this and you know there's all sorts of nonsense being said let me bring you in Jamie and a little bit with this Harry Kane I, I can't see anything that he's doing that the strikers before him and currently are doing as well is this just coming with the territory of being England captain and the main man at the club currently top of the Premier League do you think? Yeah, do you know what's really funny actually? Because I've got one of my friends who does exactly that. He keeps on, uh, he's always having a go at Harry Kane and that thing that he does, and that obviously that now being called a signature move. But now I'm sending him videos each week of Spurs fans highlighting it in other games of it happening. There was an incident of Walcott doing the same again, um, doing the same uh, today, I think, uh, against Sheffield United. Exactly the same incident. I think there was an incident with Calvert Lewin where it happened, where he's backed into the player and, and caused him to fall. So it, it happens every single week. And um, I think there is a clearer agenda against Harry Kane. You know, we've seen it in many other instances with Harry Kane where he has been targeted for just various different reasons. I think obviously his play style has been criticised before in the past, that he was just a goal scorer for many years. Um, he scores tap-ins. You know, there's always been something that people have always kind of targeted Harry Kane. And it's beyond me because you look at how he is, he's the model professional, but you know, just on that instance, it's it's a clever part of the game. We saw against Brighton, he won a penalty by doing it. You know, that's just the way it is. You know, you've got to know now that you're playing against a guy who's going to look for those sort of fouls. So you've got to look out for that as the opposition player. You know, yes, it's dangerous, but, you know, if you want to ban it, then you've got to ban tackling as well because tackling could break a player's leg or 
something like that. So, there's, you know, football is a dangerous sport. It's a contact sport. And, and that's just the way it is. Um, so I, I, it is frustrating. I think he's definitely been targeted um, because, as I said, it, it happens pretty much every week. And uh, it's really been highlighted now um, with lots of other instances. So it's, it's, it's very frustrating. It's very, yeah, very annoying. No, absolutely. Lee, coming to you, do you think because Kane, he's married his sweethood child, uh, childhood sweetheart, I should say, it's easy for me to say, um, you know, he's not smothering in tattoos, he's not falling out of uh, nightclubs or discotheques, as we used to call them, kid, uh, like 3am. So do you think this is just the only thing they can seem to come after Kane for? Yeah, um, it, it, it's just noise. Let's just not worry about it. I mean, Harry Kane is the best number nine in the world. He's the best number 10 at the moment in the world. He's, he's a complete striker. He's one of our own. Obviously, we've got his back. But, you know, let's talk about other players that didn't play for our fantastic football club. Wayne Rooney, you know, best best English striker there, there has been in, in the history of England at the moment in terms of goal scored. He got absolutely battered every week or every other week in the media. You know, Raheem Sterling, right? Absolutely brilliant brilliant footballer gets battered every other week and you know is that is that to do with um uh you know a, a racism there is is there is there is that something to do with i don't think personally it is i think it's just because these players the canes the you know alan shearer i remember i remember should he be even picked for england i mean this, this is the guy that scored 260 premier league goals um which is unbelievable and he shouldn't even be picked for england so you know is it you know kane or shearer or you know raheem sterling or wayne rooney it's just they're, they're there to be shot at aren't they you know let's go and dig around their high profile let's go and get something let's go let's go and talk about them i mean mo salah does it i mean jamie you just talked about you know other players. mo salah does it all the time it's part of the game um mm. it is what it is and i think that defenders um, should know that he's part of the game and they have to deal with it. You know, I, I think I think they're, they're right for him. I, I do think that there is a, a a slight agenda. I'm not I'm not going to lie. I think that it's very difficult to for, for me to talk about this subject, but I'm going to talk about it because I do think that there is there is um, some sort of discrimination against Tottenham. I do. I think I think there is in you know in in the mainstream media. I, I, I don't generally do think that you know whether or not that's against Jose because of his style of play, or whether or not that was against Poch because we haven't won anything, or whether or not that was that's because you know we're, we're, we're Tottenham. I, I don't know what the answer is, but there is there always seems to be something. Look, maybe I'm too sensitive about it because you know I'm a Spurs fan and through and through and whatever. But you know. I, Maybe there is some balance there. You know, I think we got absolutely roasted the other uh, the, the other day uh, from from some of the pundits, um, and I was fully expecting them to be back in the Manchester derby. But I mean, to be fair to them, they roasted them because that was a bore draw as well. And you know, to to, to be fair, you know, Genev, I'll bring him up. He did say like, if this was Jose, we'd be roasting him for for that for that rubbish that we've just watched. So then maybe there is some balance there. Maybe I'm just a little bit biased because of Spurs, but I do think that. There is a, a slight agenda there. And I don't think it'll bother Kane Crackers, to be honest. I don't think he gets bothered by it because, like Jamie said, he's, he, I mean, if you was to write, you know, if you was to, you know, make your a model professional footballer, if you used to actually say, right, let's build one, you'd build Harry Kane. That's what you would build. Like, you would build him. Like, he's absolutely married his uh, child of sweetheart. He's got, he's got three beautiful uh, girls. He's got three girls now, hasn't he? Got you know he's a family man. He's a perfect professional footballer. You know he's brilliant at his craft. What he does, he's, he's everything. How would you want to criticize him? But 
that's the point. I think because of that, because Wayne Rooney was so good, because Raheem Sterling is so good, they find a way of, you know, picking on you. And that's that's what I think is happening with Kane. Absolutely, yeah. John, um, coming, to, coming to you off the back of Lee's points there, uh, and Kane, maybe it's the Spurs fan perception that's going on, but should we also maybe look at it as a badge of honour that he is targeted like that? Because if he was a bit vanilla, not very good, and we were mid-table, we wouldn't be being spoke about. So, you know, with these great heights that we currently occupy and hope to stay there, is this just part and, part, part and parcel of the territory we now live in and we should be actually pleased that it's happening in, in a perverse way? Harry Kane is, is the perfect example of, of this country's sort of unwavering uh, tendency to do down its best. And I find that really uh, disappointing uh, and, you know, shameful, really. The things he's had to put up with, which started off with think, comments about his appearance. You know, this is a man who's been paid to model for Hugo Boss. Have you, these people that are making these comments, get real? You know, I just absolutely prophetic. It started with that. Then it moved on to um, there was something about him potentially being racist because he didn't back a certain campaign or he wasn't available for an interview. And the latest is he does this backing in and it's a signature move. I, I absolutely I find it shameful that we're continuing to attack someone who, as you've said and as Leah said, doesn't go out, you know, clubbing and, and doing all sorts of you know things we shouldn't be doing till three in the morning and and you know coming in late for training. And he's a perfect role model. We hear that from all the managers that have coached him. And yet he's constantly targeted. And I feel like people just have to move on to other things to target him with. And this backing in thing is absolutely laughable. You know, we'd, we'd basically be saying that Duncan Ferguson should never have been able to play football. You know, this is Harry Kane, who uses his body strength fantastically well, uh, whereas other players maybe dive or, or use other advantages of the game. He just uses his body strength well. He's very well built. He's got upper back strength and, and good strength in his shoulders so that he can time things to perfection. Um, and I just see it as, as clever play, you know, taking advantage of the tools you've been provided with. I find it laughable, actually. It all started, actually, after we beat Arsenal. And there was an Arsenal, I'm not going to name names, there was an Arsenal correspondent for a, a newspaper that really made a big tweet about it. And that's where it went viral. And that's where it actually started from. And it's absolutely typical that Arsenal, uh, so an Arsenal supporter, in the time of their defeat, tried to deflect something uh, away from the defeat and some sort of negative onto us. It's not a negative at all. You know, plenty of strikers, some of my favourite strikers, the likes of Mark Viduka, Les Ferdinand, Alan Shearer, all use their body and strength as a key asset. And we would have, over the years, said, oh, how great it is that they do that. Whereas suddenly when it's one of our players doing it, it's an injustice and it's wrong and he should be prosecuted. I find it laughable. And fair play, Terry Kane, he just gets on with it and carries on playing and doesn't let it get him down. Um, but I just find it really disappointing and I hope it's something that can stop eventually and we can just remember what a great player he is, both for club and country. His record's phenomenal. He always is happy to go to the media for England. He's always happy to go uh, and do um, other work England do, such as going out and reaching local charities uh, and, and meeting people uh, for, for the community. So, yeah, let's just get behind Harry Kane, please. The media, Tottenham fans do it, no question about it. You know, we all support the lad and we all want the best for him. But the rest of the media need to have a look, long look at themselves because it's shameful, actually, uh, what they're trying to do to somebody who lives his life the best possible way. No, absolutely. Spot on, John. Well said. Uh, Jamie, just finally on this, I've noticed that this, um, this media agenda against Harry Kane is on the lead up to the Liverpool game. 
who, uh, come on, they're the media darlings, aren't they? So am I a tinfoil hat-wearing lunatic to think this is being ramped up ahead of next Wednesday in the hope that the ref has had a look at the media around him and uh, starts uh, starts noticing these this perceived backing in a little bit more? Um, no, um, possibly, possibly a little bit of that. But look, I think you, you look at how he has become a really intelligent player this year. I mean, not, even today, he was drawing fouls. And I think that's just part of his game now. He is just such an intelligent guy. You know, Jose Mourinho kind of spoke about in the documentary of wanting the players to, to be intelligent. And that's exactly what being intelligent is by winning fouls and kind of breaking up play when you need to break up play or winning fouls in important areas. And, and that's just what Harry Kane does. And he's really, really kind of, taken that to a new level and no surprise that it's happened this season because Jose Mourinho came in uh, last year. So it's really started to kind of develop. So uh, maybe that's why we're seeing it a lot more because he's doing a lot more intelligent fouls this season. So I think that's maybe the reason that has really been highlighted this year. Yeah, spot on. I think, uh, like I've said before in previous shows, you want to make big omelettes like Spurs are trying to do at the moment. You've got to crack some eggs, haven't you? And I think this might just be all part and parcel of the territory. Okay, so listen, Wednesday, as I've said now for about the third, fourth, fifth time this show, absolutely enormous, huge, gigantic, massive, massive, massively, yeah, massive. massive. I mean, this is a big train rolling into Liverpool Lime Street, isn't it? Huge. It's just, That's it's, it's, off the, it's, the thing, it's the thing is, crackers, the, the the thing is, right? It is so big because, uh, again, this is this is this is not li- me getting the violins out for little old Tottenham. This, this is something that you've just you just flagged with, you know, the media darlings, and it, it, most people outside of Spurs don't want us to win this match. They don't want anything out of it. They don't. They want Liverpool to go and win the game. So it's huge. Our our, our record in Anfield's appalling. Their record at Anfield is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, there are a couple of games off of, uh, you know, all sorts of records. Um, and we got away with one tonight, uh, this afternoon, because obviously they, they drew with Fulham. But, you know, as we talk, Leicester are smashing Brighton 3-0, right? You've got Southampton at two points off of the top of the table. And they've done a brilliant, they've done brilliant. But it's Southampton, with all due respect. They've got Villa that are point behind us if they win their two games in hand. Granted, one of them is against City, so that might not be the case. But talking to City, you've got City and Manchester United. Both got a game in hand if they win their respective games in hand. They're, they're, they're two and three points behind us, respectively. Yeah, And, then, and you've got Leicester City smashing them tonight. They're one point behind. So, you know, I think I've always talked about this little mini league, haven't I? Since these six games, everybody's... Test- uh, yeah, Tottenham's in a false position. They've got to go and play the big boy. Uh, City turned up at uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Boom, 2 0. Have some of that. Now, then we went away to Chelsea, kept a clean sheet. Have some of that. We'll take a point uh, from, from Stamford Bridge. And then we, uh, Arsenal, rocked up, smashed 2 0. Have some of that as well. And we're, we're rolling. And today we get a point, which, which I'm disappointed about, but it puts us on eight points out of them four games. It now means, in, in order, with my little mini league crackers, in order for us to get. 12 points out of that six games, which would give us two points per game and in, in and around top spot still, 2.1 uh, 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 points per game is about where we needed to be. So two points would have been all right. Going from being in, ahead of the curve with the first three games, we're now a little bit behind. It means that 
we have to get Stank out of the game at Anfield. We have to. We, and then we have to go and beat Leicester at home. Which going to Anfield means that it is match training huge. And, you know, we need to take buckets and buckets of coal out to make sure that we're going to be shoveling that in after that game. We have to go and win. Uh, sorry, forgive me. I mean, a win would be amazing, but we have to get Stank out of it. It is a must-not-lose game, especially to the team that is sitting on the exact same points as us um, behind us in the table. So it's it's a huge game, isn't it, Crackers? Absolutely massive game. It is absolutely enormous. Listen, we're going to take another short break now. We're going to bring you a raft of previews from Liverpool Voices to hear what they've got to say about it. Then we'll be back to get a little bit more into the game itself and how we can go about Keeping on that curve and that 2.1 uh, points per game, uh, we'll hear from Jamie and John and Lee again with a little bit more detail on how we can do that. So don't go anywhere. Enjoy these previews and we'll be right back with our own thoughts. OK, Pierre, thanks for joining us. Um, interested to see where you place that, Joel, whether it's two points drop because we were ahead for so long or, or, you know, it's always a difficult place to come here. So you'd probably be happy with a draw. So where do you place it? No, if you see the dressing room after the game, it's, def- it's definitely a feeling of uh, a bit of disappointment, uh, which is good, which is showing that we are uh, uh, competing and we want to compete uh, and win every single game. So I think it's a good sign that we are not happy uh, in the dressing room after the game with the 1-1. Uh, but again, I think, uh, like I said, thank you to the schedule, that we have a tough schedule and we have a, already on Wednesday an opportunity to show what we're about, to show uh, what we want to do and, 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 and what we can do um, in a great game. But at the moment, every game, like it has been from the beginning of the season, is important. And the squad is competing well. There's a good momentum. Everybody's working well and we need to maintain that. Because uh, if you want to, again, compete with the best, if you want to win every single game, it's something that you have to sustain. It's something that you have to keep up and running. And, and, and we are doing it and we are performing and we need to keep going. And like I said, we have the momentum, but we cannot let it, let it slip away. And, and, and we need to keep building. But again, the team are in a good moment and, and we are believing. And I thank the schedule that we already have a challenge on Wednesday. Interesting what you said in another interview about uh, their equaliser. You said, so, you know, we, the disappointing thing is we, we sort of let it happen. The way, the way the momentum of the game went? Yes, yes, yes. I think it's small details to, to, to let's say, we let small details and small small moments uh, go into their favour, go into their hand. And then, you know, uh, sometimes uh, small things create a one big thing and, and, and maybe I think this happened today. Um, but OK, Palace uh, have a physical present in and around the box. They have some good individual players. And yeah, they're not easy to play against. But again, we we are in a good moment and we keep going. And we need to keep going. We cannot let it slip away and not get out of balance. Uh, and again, we are looking forward to, to Wednesday and we look forward to Sunday and we look forward to, to the game after that. Right now, it's about living in the present, taking game by game. We were not happy with the 1-1 which is okay, gives us fuel for Wednesday and we are ready to go again. And after Wednesday, we look forward and we are ready to go Sunday again. And this is the Premier League and we want to compete and we want to be, uh, yeah, winning every single game. So this is what we have to do and we are doing. 
Let me ask you about Liverpool quickly, Pierre. I mean, it's a great game to, to go into. I can I can tell from already talking to you here that the you know that the guys are, are, are going to be revved up for this one on at Anfield. No, Liverpool showed last year, showed two years ago uh, what a great team they are, and uh, we will feel that on on Wednesday. But uh, so are we. So we'll be, we'll be a great game. We'll be an important game, and at the moment every game is important. And uh, we are looking forward to it with uh, with big joy. Just finally, I must ask you about your own form. I mean, you're such an integral part of this team. You must be pleased with how it's going yourself. Because every time we win, every time the team is performing well, I'm very happy. OK, Jose's with us at Sellers. Jose, just the game you expected, really, when you, when you spoke to us beforehand. Yes, but uh, at half time, I could predict what could happen in the second half. I asked the players, don't accept the low block, don't accept their dominancy because in the end will be a corner, will be a rebound, will be a second ball um, and you have to not to, not to accept that situation. Uh, I want to believe that our boys didn't do better because of Palace, because they, they pressed and because they, they didn't let us have the ball the way we had it in, in the first half. I want to give them credit because I believe the players wanted to do the best uh, all the time, of course. And they showed that in, in the last 10, 10 minutes. It's just a pity that uh, they, did, they didn't score before because probably the game would give us more time to, to change the result. I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the balls were coming in. I mean, we'd, I mean we'd, we'd looked like we weathered the storm, to be honest. I mean, they, I mean eventually they scored, didn't they, from a, a bit of a scrappy one. But it, it looked like we got there. Last season was the same. Uh, of course, with other clubs, I come so many times to to this stadium. Their style of play doesn't change. Their power, their physicality, uh, the way they do it um, with set pieces, with with long crosses, with second balls. You need to kill the game. Uh, if you don't kill the game, you are always in in the edge. And yet, we almost got there in the end, didn't we? I mean, he's, he's made a couple of saves there yeah, in yeah, the last the, ten. The hurricane header and the and the direct free kick was amazing saves, but credit to, to, to Guaita. I'm looking forward to this game on Wednesday night. I think it's going to be intriguing. Liverpool versus Tottenham Hotspur at Anfield. I think that everybody would agree that it is the biggest game in the Premier League this season. Both teams will be disappointed with the results at the weekend as they wanted to capitalise on the draw between Man United and Manchester City. Um, both Liverpool and Tottenham will feel they left two points behind at the weekend and it would have been an opportunity for both of them to to push on. I think if Tottenham want to win the Premier League this season, they're going to have to start winning games like this away to Liverpool. But I fancy Liverpool in this tie at Anfield. As we know, Tottenham do not have the best of records at Anfield, but there is no doubt that they are probably the best Spurs team in a long time. For me, they are better than the team on the Pochettino simply because they have a bit more steelness and grit around midfield and are more difficult to break down. If you watch Tottenham playing, as soon as the opposition get the ball, everybody is back in unison. Everybody knows their role. I think um, Heilberg has been uh, an outstanding signing. I believe he is the highest in interceptions, tackles, passes in the Spurs squad and I think he's been the best signing uh, one of the best Premier League signings this season it'll be interesting to see 
who Mourinho goes with at the back for Tottenham. Um, he will. I'm wondering, will he start Matt Doherty or Aurier? Aurier can offer a little bit more going forward and his pace can punish Liverpool. But me, I for myself, sorry, I think that Matt Doherty is probably a better defensive player. So that'll be interesting. But I think that Heilberg does a similar job to Jordan Henderson in the middle of the field for Spurs that he can dictate play. He takes control of the game. He seems to be able to drive his team on. And yeah, Mourinho has definitely turned this Tottenham side into a, a very, very difficult side to play against. Tottenham have been renowned, with all due respect, for maybe having soft bellies, as some people might say, that they might show a bit of a, a weakness at times when when the going gets tough, especially around Christmas time. But I think that they have they have changed. Um, maybe Arsenal have taken them soft bellies off them. Um, Arsenal seem to be showing similar attributes that Tottenham uh, were showing a few years ago. So I think it's going to be an interesting clash. Obviously, Kane and Son are incredible in incredible form in the Premier League this season. And it'll be interesting to see what they can do at Anfield. Obviously, Liverpool have numerous injury concerns. So if there ever is a good time to come to Anfield for an opposing team, this is probably it. Only this week, uh, Diogo Jota and Costas Tomiskas, who of course is um, wouldn't be starting ahead of Andy Robertson, but they were ruled out. And Jota would have added, obviously, another dimension to Liverpool's attack. So he is another player that's missing. Um, he has already, you know, done fantastic since he came. But I think that there's no doubting Liverpool are under the pressure to win the Premier League again. They can't, they don't have the comfort of what uh, Jose Mourinho getting to say that, you know, there's, there's a lot of horses in this race and such and such trying to take the pressure off. As Liverpool are the reigning champions, everybody knows that they are expected to um, be there, thereabouts. But as the season is progressing, Tottenham are now coming under that pressure as well. They're no longer can they be just seen as one of the, the the possible title contenders. They are definitely title contenders. And Manchester City have been, you know, have it, had a stop start season really. They, they, they were poor against Manchester United at the weekend. They couldn't break them down. So it's a good opportunity for Spurs to try to um to, to win this uh, elusive Premier League title. I think it's going to be a very, very interesting game. I don't think any Tottenham fan would swap Harry Kane and Son for any other duo maybe in in world football at the moment. Um, whereas Liverpool fans, I don't think would be swapping Saidi Mane or Mohamed Salah either. Um, unfortunately, Roberto Firmino is having um, one of those seasons that he's doing okay um, in possession and on the ball and tracking back and he does invaluable work but he isn't adding the goals that he did before um, still absolutely a vital player in the team but without his goals um, or him uh, contributing as much as Salah and Mane it just makes Liverpool's attack not as potent as it was so it's a, it's a going to be an interesting clash I do not think that both teams will come out and go attacking straight away I think it's going to be a cautious start and teams are going to try to prize open the their opponents but yeah Tottenham need to try to win these games but of course I hope that Liverpool will win I believe that Liverpool um, can win the result against Fulham 
was uh, was quite disappointing. A bit better in the second half, but uh, extremely poor in the first. So yeah, it's going to be a great clash. Um, for me, I'm going to go for a 2-1 um, victory for Liverpool. I think that Liverpool have the guile and the experience in clashes like this just to get over the line. But it'll be interesting to see how Tottenham deal with this pressure now. Um, they are level on points with, with the reigning champions. We're getting close to Christmas. Um, it's a big opportunity for them. But for me, I think that Liverpool are going to win out uh, by two goals to one. I will go for uh, Salah and Mane and uh, Maybe Harry Kane will get on the score sheet for Spurs. So I'm just fresh off watching the Fulham game and it was not good. We were completely outclassed first half and as the second half, we were slightly better, but it was one of the situations where it's two points dropped. But looking at the looking at the overall performance, you can argue that we were lucky to get away with a point, which is frustrating and it's with one away winning sixth in the Premier League now this season. It's becoming a cause of concern. But we've got to move on, and we have, obviously, you, Spurs on Wednesday, which is a top-of-the-table clash, first versus second, which feels weird. I didn't think Spurs would be title contenders to start the season. I tipped you to finishing just outside the top four, but, obviously, Kane and Son have been absolutely unreal this season. But I still think there's instances of defensive naivety, in your play and you were I think that was on display against Palace and there are weaknesses there which I can hope we are able to exploit as for us on Wednesday I expect um, it to be a tight game I know coming to Anfield we haven't lost there in 65 league games I think so it's it's a big task for Spurs but it's I don't think it'd be a straightforward game Mourinho's got a game plan I don't think you're particularly entertaining to watch but you make it difficult and that's something we're going to have to be very wary of when we play you as for how I expect us to line up injuries have hit us hugely this season as I'm sure you're aware I mean we've lost Van Dijk and Gomez for the season our starting centre-back pairing and now it looks like Matip could be out with a back injury against Fulham um, we've lost Thiago or something Jota out for eight weeks Simicus could be out out of out for eight weeks. In fact, we've lost Alexander-Arnold for periods, Fabinho, Henderson, Salah, Mane with COVID. It's almost like we haven't had a period. We haven't had a big day missing. And I know a lot of teams have struggled with injuries this season with the lack of pre-season and whatnot. But it's really hit us hard and we don't have many options going into midweek. So I expect the lineup to be... Allison in goal, of course. Even though Kelleher has done well, but of course it would be Allison. Trent, Trent and Robbo at fullback. And as the centre-back, it doesn't... I'm unsure on Matt's availability at the moment, but I will be surprised to see him play as he came off at half-time. So I suspect it would be a Fabinho-Nat Phillips pairing, which I'm sure Kane would hope to have a field day up against. And then... It will likely be a 4-3-3 with Henderson, Wijnaldum and Curtis Jones was fantastic. Second half today against Fulham, the only player which looked like creating something. There was a really mazy run in the second half which would have led to a sensational goal had he not hit straight Areola. But, um, so I expect him to keep his place. We've got Oxlade-Chamberlain back now but I imagine starting a game with this magnitude to be too soon for him. 
but he could be a threat off the bench. And Naby Keita also wasn't in the squad for Fulham with a fitness issue, but it remains to be seen if he'll be fit. With no Jota, the front three picks itself, and I expect us to have um, Salah, Firmino, Mane, of course, and no Shakiri either. And we've got Minamino and Origi, which is quite a drop-off in terms of attacking options, but when we're very limited for choice at the moment, there's not much more we can do. From a tactics perspective, I think it seems likely that we'll try and um, try and retain possession, as you expect, it's Anfield, 2,000 fans back in attendance, 4-3-3, possession, try and hit you on the break with that front three, but it's not going to be an easy game and you're going to be difficult to break down. And I think Mourinho will come. I don't think he'll come looking for a draw. I think he'll think he can take advantage of the situation and win because we are vulnerable this season. But in terms of my prediction, I will go... I like to predict a win, but I think I'm going to go with a 2-2 draw. I think it'd be an entertaining game and a win would really do a lot for either team. It'd be massive for you. And I think both will be content with a draw but with all the festive Christmas period to get an edge on you would be huge as our, at the moment it looks like you are the biggest title contenders as us and you you can never discount City Chelsea I know I wouldn't say they're there yet and United are, don't look good at all but it's a tough race and I'm sure we will be two teams in it near the end and yeah this is a game we have to win but I will settle with a 2-2 Hello, it's John Givens from the Anfield app. Uh, on Sunday, uh, after both Liverpool and Spurs have dropped points away from home, uh, both obviously would have been hoping to win, and we certainly were after Spurs had dropped points earlier in the day, but we had to make do uh, with a draw. So, arguably, that just sets up Wednesday even more nicely, doesn't it? Uh, it's a top-of-the-table clash, both teams on the same points, and both teams fighting uh, to be on the top. So... Yeah, it makes it interesting anyway. We'd rather be a couple of points ahead of us uh, sitting right now, but we had to take what we could at Craven Cottage and it could have been worse, to be honest with you, considering how badly we played. Uh, but we'll be hoping for much better on Wednesday. Obviously, we've got supporters in the crowd now, of which I'm one. I've got one of the 2,000 tickets to go and watch Liverpool on Wednesday, so I'm delighted about that. Missed the first game, didn't get one in the ballot for the first game back that we had against Wolves, but have got one for Wednesday, so can't wait, and I'm going to scream and shout and do everything I'm allowed to do on Wednesday to support the boys and to support the 11 who play. Uh, what 11 that is, we'll have to wait and see. I would expect 10 of the 11 who started today um, to play. Um, the only one is, is John Matip, who, who went off injured at half-time. If he is injured, then Liverpool have got a bit of a problem, really, because he was our last um, fit first choice centre-half. Uh, Fabinho's been playing alongside whoever that centre-half has been so far, but he's a midfielder, really, but he's he's done okay there, but playing again alongside, sorry, uh, very much a recognised centre-half this time. It'll be either Nat Phillips, who's, who's a young player who's done okay, but is very much a, an agricultural centre-half, if you like, he heads a lot of things away, how you feel about Harry Kane dragging them all over the place or, or Sons runs from deep and things like that. I don't know. He's he's not quite at that level, really, but he's done all right. There's Reese Williams, who's done okay as well in European games, but he's very young. And so 
whoever it is who plays on Wednesday, and I can't see Massive being fit now if he's gone off injured on Sunday. Whoever it is plays, I imagine will be targeted by Spurs, and it's very much a worry. But aside from that, it's great to have our keeper back, Allison, our first choice. He played really well against Fulham. Uh, the fullbacks weren't great tonight, but you know, having them both there is, is a big thing. Uh, midfield should be okay. Chamberlain was back on the bench, so, so might come into contention as well. And then the front three picks itself, especially with Jotter injured. So, Marino will know uh, more or less who Liverpool are going to pick, and he will know more or less how he wants to target them. Uh, but we shall see uh, what happens. Um, I'm not really looking forward to it, not just because I'm going, but obviously it's a big game at the top of the table now, and and I think Liverpool have shown that they're always up for these things. So we were disappointed by the Fulham performance and the Fulham results, obviously, but mainly like that they, they just weren't really at the races and didn't really match Fulham for intensity that first 30 minutes or so. Against Spurs, we absolutely will. Uh, no shadow of a doubt, especially with a few people in the crowd uh, cheering us on. You've had that, you've had people back in stadiums now and you've known that you know, it might only be 2,000, but it, it sounds like a lot more and, and we should have that on Wednesday. So I'm confident, I'm believing in the lads. Wish we'd have gone into it in a bit better form, but and a few more fit players, <laughs> it'd be nice as well. But I'm sure whoever goes out there We'll give everything and yeah, feeling confident about the Liverpool win because also our home record is absolutely spectacular, it has to be said. You know, it's over 60 games now, unbeaten at home, which is unreal. And I just think we'll keep that going again on Wednesday. So I'm predicting a Liverpool win, but obviously it's going to be really, really tough. Hello everyone, I'm Anna from Spurs XY and welcome back to the Spurs Women segment here on The Last Word on Spurs. Apologies for a bit of a radio silence, but I am back and we are back with back-to-back WSL wins. That's right, you heard it correctly. Not only did we get our first WSL victory last weekend, we got the second one, both of them being 3-1. It's fantastic. Um, I wasn't able to watch last weekend's game. I do know that Alex Morgan uh, scored a penalty, which he also also did this weekend. That opened up the scoring for us in the first half this weekend against Aston Villa at the Hive. And um, then we took, then they equalised, which was, oh, such an unfortunate goal. They just lobbed the keeper. Um, It's a, you know, it's a lovely goal. It's just a really annoying one to concede. And... um, yeah, and then we took the lead back to this in the first half to the break with an own goal. Um, Morgan created it as well, so it's really nice seeing her start and being so influential. Uh, considering this was our last home game of this calendar year, and then Ayan scored her first WSL goal of the campaign in the second half to make it three-one, and after that we just looked really really comfortable and I was really glad to see how much more confident we looked how much more as a team we were playing now obviously as I mentioned uh, the last time I spoke to you we have a new manager now Rianne Skinner Um, but what also has changed in the last two games is that fans are allowed back in Uh, the Covid rules lockdowns over and Covid rules obviously have been eased up by the government a little bit allowing 2,000 fans to attend games uh, which also applies to the men's um, I'm sorry, I'm sure you're aware. But both of these games were home games, the so last weekend and this weekend. And I honestly believe, sure, I guess, the, I, don't get me wrong, I have no idea how much the managers impacted this. But in my opinion, I think the fans have equally, if not played as much or more of a part in um, these victories. I know that um, the relationship with the fans for the women's team is really strong and really special. 
So I have a feeling that having the fans back and cheering them on, like I was watching it on the FA player today, you could genuinely hear everything what the fans were saying. So obviously that depends on the microphone of where that that, that is. But I'm sure it meant the world to the players that they could hear someone being like, oh, yes, Ash, or well played Becky, or these sort of um, shout outs and encouragement. And, you know, like I constantly heard kids saying, come on, you Spurs. And isn't that just the most heartwarming thing? Um, and that's coming from a person who doesn't like kids. So, <laughs> so yeah, I think it's really special that... Um, uh, that we've able, we were able to see, as in like fans were able to see both of the victories now live. Um, and as I said, I think it contributed to that. So hopefully this will continue. Our last game of this kind of the year is um, away against Chelsea next weekend. So, um, yep, that's it. And then we've got uh, the winter break. So we're playing on the 20th and then we're going to have a game against Birmingham City on the 10th of January. So a little bit of a break there. Um, but yeah, as I said, it's just really good. I don't expect much from the Chelsea game, just a really strong. So, you know, a draw would be great. Um, but honestly, as I said, I don't, I don't expect much from these type of games. I'm just hoping to see a bit more of the team spirit we've been seeing and just, I'd be very interested to, to know how this is going to progress and, and what Rianne has in mind for us. Um, yeah, so a lot of positives to take from that and it's looking a lot better now for our league position and everything. Um, it wasn't looking the worst. It was just a bit embarrassing considering everything that was going on. So, yeah, I uh, hope you enjoyed this little segment and come on, you Spurs. And we're back. And uh, thank you very much for all those previews, hearing it from a Liverpool perspective and, of course, uh, the roundup of the Spurs ladies team as well. Thank you so much for that. So, Wednesday up at Anfield, and as Lee's already touched on, we don't normally do that well up there. They're very good at home, but they've not looked like the Liverpool of last season so far. With what we've seen today, um, they, you know, they they just seem to be a little bit off. Can we go there? Can we dare to dream? Can we do it? Can we? <laughs> can we? Can we? Can we? Jamie, I, I, honestly, it's Sunday night as we're recording this. And I'm already bouncing up and down, ready to go. I'm so excited for it. It's uh, how do we set up? How do we play them? What do we do? Low block, mid block? Do we go for the throat? Yeah, look, I think for sure. Look, one important thing that to, to know is obviously Liverpool on a fantastic run of being undefeated at home. Now, the record they're chasing is actually Jose Mourinho's from his time at Chelsea, his first time at Chelsea. So, you know, Jose Mourinho is a guy that will certainly love to keep that record. Um, so I think that that would definitely play an interesting part in that fixture. Jose Mourinho will be wanting to go in for the win. But for me, it's all about, I think it's all about not losing. I think that that's, you know, maybe that is a small small club attitude or whatever you want to call it. But I think this is a, re- you know, this is going to be such a tough game for us. I think having 2,000 supporters um, at Anfield is going to be a really big factor for them. We know that always at Anfield, the crowd always really get behind them. We saw that in the Everton game where they really kind of, helped Everton to really dig in and, and keep that uh, three points against Chelsea. And I think we saw today, I think the Palace fans really helped them. So having 2,000 fans at Anfield is definitely going to be a big factor and going to make the game really difficult for us. So I think it's all about going there not to lose. Um, but yes, I think it's we've got to try and get that first goal because I'm, I'm, I'm certain that with the attack they've got, that Liverpool are going to score. So, um, you know, it's, that, that first goal is going to be really, really crucial. So we need to go out and start fast. Um, that first goal will be absolutely crucial. So, um, yeah, all about the first goal for me on, on Wednesday. 
John, coming to you, uh, the 11 that he selects Jose for Wednesday, do you go with the team that we had today or do you change that slightly, change formation slightly to try and get in behind Liverpool, as Lee said earlier? Gurner leaves some spaces there. Yeah, I'd probably go with the same 11 we selected today. That's our strongest 11 for me. Um, you know, you need Suzoko in there for this sort of game as a ball carrier, as a big, strong body. You need someone in there doing that job. So I would certainly go with the same 11 that played today. Hopefully the minutes in Ndombele will pick him up to, you know, the levels we saw before. Uh, and he, he's going to be a key component for us in this game. I'm stuck in two minds of how we approach the fixture in that Liverpool are missing some fantastic players. You know, the likes of Van Dijk, Joe Gomez. Um, from their defence, that would be their, their two strongest centre-halves. It might be Matip's gone off injured again today. But the key one for me that's missing is actually Jota. Jota has been in phenomenal form for Liverpool in turning draws into wins. He's done it three or four times already this season. Had he come on today at Craven Cottage, I'm fairly certain he would have had a say in that result and how that would have gone down. So him being out and being out for our game on Wednesday is absolutely huge. It's slightly frustrating to see Alisson has come back from injury and was back in goal today. Um, but yeah, I'm stuck in two minds because I feel like, look, this is a huge opportunity for us, actually, of them missing a lot of key players to go throw the juggernaut at them and go for them. But then I'm equally worried their front three is absolutely phenomenal. You know, Mane, Salah, Firmino. We have to be very careful with that. And it is a do not lose game. Um, I'm stuck in two minds. I think I'm going to, you know, sit on the fence a little bit and say that I'd be happy with if we approached it in the same way we did the Chelsea game. Uh, and if we came away with that with a nil-nil draw, I would be delighted. I just feel like that's another game that we lost last season. We've gained another point. We've stopped them getting the three points. Uh, and it would be another great clean sheet for us. So I am stuck in two minds, though, because I feel like this is a better opportunity than we've had before in terms of we've got Kane and Son absolutely on fire. And they haven't got, you know, the best centre-back in the league playing and also Joe Gomez. So um, it's a hard one, but I would bite your hand off for a draw, 100%. Yeah, I don't think there's many Spurs fans that would disagree with any of that. And if offered a draw now, you take it. Lead a draw now for you? Or are you, uh, are you going crazy train, throwing <laughs> the blue book into the burner and think, steaming through and looking looking for the win? Well, I think, I think I'll take the draw all day long because, you know, you look at our five last meetings, recent meetings, we haven't won a game. We've drawn one, that famous uh, absolute bullet rocket from uh, Wanyama um, uh, and then Kane's penalty in the last, you know, in the 95th minute or whatever it ended up, crazy game that was, 2-2. Um, and you, you look at some of the possession stats in that game, you know, we were fantastic. We had a lot of possession, 65% possession in that game, but we, we ended up drawing. Now, subsequent games after that, Spurs 1, Liverpool 2, Liverpool 2, Spurs 1, Liverpool 2, Spurs 1, Spurs 0, Liverpool 1. It was freaking boring. And then you add in the Champions League final and what they did to us in the Champions League final, beating us 2-0 there. You just, you know, that that is, you know, the constant. It's, um, it, you know, if, if there's, I know we get a lot of, uh, a, a lot of um, wrath on the WhatsApp group for saying it's a tough place to go. But I, 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 I actually think that I can say this and everybody would agree that Anfield is a very, very tough place to go. So, uh, you know, given, given all them local, uh, them recent stats, given everything that we've talked about, I'll take a draw. That said, this is where the hope that kills you, hope that keeps you, and the hope that kills you. You ask the question, Crackers, how can we beat them? I think we can beat them 
by the amount of space that's in behind. They push up so high on that pitch. I think, you know, I think that we should approach the game uh, in the exact same way, in my opinion, as we approach the City game. Let Liverpool have the ball. Um, the, the crosses are a problem because uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, those just coming back for, to fitness and, um, uh, and Andy Robertson, they put crosses in for fun. I mean, I think, again, it's the top of my head out of the blue book from memory, but I think Trent had something like 350 crosses in the Premier League last year. It was absolutely ridiculous. Which is why he got so many uh, um, assists, double-figure assists as a fullback. And Robertson was uh, second just behind TAA uh, in that way. So, the way we condense the, the the play when we're playing the low block in terms of, you know, that space that City, it, it, you know, cut, uh, cutting in between the lines and putting through balls through, we condense that. And we said to City, have the ball out wide. We said the same with Arsenal, have the ball out wide. You ain't going to score. If we do that at Liverpool, they probably do score because ultimately that's, that's how they play. So you've got to try and nullify their fullbacks. But for me, the key is the counter-attack, which we have been phenomenal at, by the way, as I think all of us would agree, if we can get that counter-attack right, I think we've got a chance. And, and for me, it is a must-not-lose game. Do not lose this football match. If we win, if we nick it, and my word, I will take a, a, a nil-one Spurs all day long. If we nick it, massive result. Absolutely massive result. Going into the Christmas fixtures, going up against Leicester, we, we need it. That little mini table I was talking about, we, we have to get at least 12 points out of that little mini table. And to do that, we need a point minimum against Liverpool. And it's a tough, tough ask. But I think I think it suits us better. And I, I can't believe I'm saying this, crackers and listeners. I can't believe it. It suits us better, ne- better now when the opposition have the ball. That, that's how we're set up to play. That we've got the players to absolutely execute counter-attacking football. Before this afternoon's game, we were the most counter-attacking team. Um, uh, you know, and that, that's why it's disappointing today. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go for a prediction because uh, I'll, I'll get it wrong. But I, I think just don't go up there and don't make any silly mistakes. That's that's all I ask. That's why I'm so annoyed about tonight. Crackers coming back to tonight. It was a freaking silly mistake, a, sh- a shitty free kick. Excuse my language to give away when we didn't even need to that, le- that landed a goal. And if we don't give that away, we are we are clear at the top of the league. In this Liverpool game, you just have to go and manage it. Now we've got to go and get something from it. It's a different pressure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is. It's literally 95 minutes of total concentration at the back. And every counter-attacking chance you get, you've got to bury. You have to bury or at least work the keeper. You cannot be 1% wasteful in this game. And uh, I'll make you right, it's so difficult to predict. It just depends how we do those two things. It it really does. Just to quickly add as well, I know, sorry, I'm waffling on for ages, but do do, do you remember, come on, uh, listeners, remember this, but we went to Anfield and we played brilliantly. Um, we went 1-0 down pretty early on to a Firmino goal. Um, and then uh, and then we got back into it with a Lucas Moura goal. It was 1-1, coming to the 90th minute or the 93rd minute or whatever it was. Really, really good. We're thinking we've got a point here. And then Toby scores an own goal. Do you remember? And this is the thing, like, there's this silly mistakes. It's one mistake from Toby and, Lee, and we're punished. Sorry to interrupt you, but you can swap that out for the time when we were doing really well and then Aurier took out Mane. 
There was another time at Anfield where Lloris just sort of threw it into his own net. There's been a history, and I, and I think actually them only having 2,000 fans instead of the full house makes a huge difference. Sometimes at Anfield, it sounds crazy, but you feel like their fans, especially at that cop end, force the ball into the net somehow. You know, they've got some sort of magical power and they force you under pressure. So them only having 2,000 fans, I think, makes a huge difference, actually, um, to our pressures going into that game. And hopefully our defensive uh, awareness and concentration can stay at top levels. But I am a little bit worried albeit he's had fantastic form this season, about Mane against Doria. That is something that does worry me. No, absolutely. Yeah, you're, you're, you're so right. Uh, Jamie, do you think the uh, crowd and the crowd size could have an impact here? Like John said, mm. it's, uh, is it, uh, am I right in thinking this is Liverpool's first home game with a crowd now? Second? Um, OK. Yeah, no, I, I, I do think it will have a, an impact. I think... Um, it will make it harder as again, as I said, I think we've seen in a couple of games now where the, having a home crowd has really actually helped. I think it's obviously been weird where we've seen a lot of games this season where the away team actually has gone to a, a obviously, well, of course, they're the away team. They've gone to a ground and then they've um, actually had, feels like they've had an advantage. So it's now feels as though it might be flipped on the head where crowds are, are now back into the stadium and it's really has started to benefit the home team. So that's definitely going to make it a lot tougher for us. As John said, you know, the Liverpool crowd, they have a kind of a way of being able to suck the ball into the goal. And I think that that's going to make it really, really tough for us uh, on Wednesday. Oh, well, whatever happens, I am so looking forward to it already. We are three days away and I'm already like, well, come on, come on, come on. It's uh, But what a nice position to be in, to be excited about going to Liverpool, to not dread to go to Anfield, to actually be excited and wanting, wanting to, wanting to go there and wanting to test us ourselves against them, just it's just brilliant. Listen, we're going to bring the show to a close, but we've had a little bit of, little bit of down on Spurs today and the way we played. And I don't like to finish the show on a downer. Always like, always leaving with a big number before you go. So I'm going to throw it over to you, John, because you was lucky enough in the ballot last week when 2,000 vloggers and bloggers were allowed in to see Tottenham versus Arsenal. <laughs> well, you'd think it was just bloggers and bloggers when you it was allowed in according to social media. But um, just give us a little bit from last week's game, please, and the experience of going in and being amongst that, that 2,000. That must have been phenomenal. Yeah, mate, that was probably one of my highlights of ever supporting Spurs, actually, because for me, it is the fixture I always look out for first. I grew up in North London. My friendship base is half Arsenal, half Tottenham. It get, means everything to me, the game, you know. So to be there once again was really special. And I hadn't been back since the uh, Liverpool game. So the last game I was there was, you know, full house. And uh, my, my second daughter was born since then. So I haven't been since. And uh, yeah, it was just it just a magical to be back. And uh, I, I felt instantly right back at home in that South Stand. Fans around me were in great spirits, as you guys probably heard on the TV. We were very loud. It was great to hear some of the old classics come out as well. Um, and yeah, it was just a, a brilliant afternoon. And my only regret is that I wish it was a full house for that first win with fans against Arsenal in the new stadium, you know, to see Sun's goal. And I mean, Kane's second actually was probably one of my favourite Spurs goals ever in that we soaked up a solid 10 minutes of pressure. And I was just saying to myself, let's just ride this 1-0 until half time. You know, let's get in there don't concede. And I, I was worried because they kept having these corners with Willian and Aubameyang was getting involved in Lacazette. And then we just broke. And boy, did we break. And it just fell to the man that loves scoring against Arsenal. He absolutely battered that in for 2-0. Game over. Bang. 
Woolwich Arsenal sent back home. It was just beautiful. Everything that I could have wanted in a goal happened in that moment. And uh, yeah, it was just an amazing experience to be back for such a special game. And I just think it's crazy. We've actually had no fans in that stadium since 2016 uh, against beating Arsenal, you know, when we beat them 2-0 in the last ever North London derby at White Hart Lane. So I can't wait for a full crowd to get back in there and experience that because so far at that new stadium, it's played Arsenal twice, two wins. You love to see it. <laughs> Happy days. How you stopped yourself hugging and kissing the person next to Boy. you when them goals went in? Because of course there's masks on, social distancing. That must have been that must have been torture not to go and throw yourself at the people around you. Because of course that's all part of it, isn't it? But uh, no, brilliant, brilliant experience. And uh, I tell you what, you you guys made a noise of twenty thousand, let alone two thousand. It was phenomenal. So uh, brilliant stuff. All right, so. Show done. A big thank you to uh, Jamie. Thank you very much, sir. Once again, as always. Yeah, um, a, a very weird day. Obviously, gone from the uh, the lows of that disappointing draw to then obviously Liverpool dropping points as well. So sets it up really, really nicely for Wednesday now. And, and as you said, I'm, I'm really, really excited for it. Um, and yeah, hopefully we can see a much better Tottenham performance. Um, so yeah, really, really looking forward to the game on Wednesday now. Great stuff. Uh, John, thank you once again. Brilliant as always. Yeah, absolutely. Love being on with you guys. It makes it uh, makes it a lot easier, you know, to dissect a game and, and talk through it with, with like-minded fans. And uh, yeah, I just can't wait for Wednesday like you, Crackers. I'm, I'm so excited and uh, let's hope we show up. I really, really hope we show up. Come on, you Spurs. Excellent. And finally, Mr. Lee McQueen, as ever, with your Blue Book of Stats and... Uh, Looking at the positives, uh, yeah, awful day, made a little bit better by Liverpool and just trying to keep a bit of a positive spin on things. But we're not letting you off the hook today, Spurs. Not good enough. But thank you anyway, Lee. No, exactly that. And I think, look, I'm buzzing as well. I'm buzzing for the for, for it's another few days at the top of the league. I, regardless if we drop points uh, again and we and we drop off the top of the league, I do generally think that we'd be back up there again. I think that you know games like this are the ones that is how you react. Somebody said this earlier, I think on social media on WhatsApp. But games like this, how you react, I want to see a reaction on Wednesday, and they they might want to see a reaction. Klopp wants to see a reaction, but we want to see a reaction as well. And we've got it in our locker. That space in behind, we can go. At Villa scored seven. Spurs can go and give them a proper Southampton turning over. So let's go go for it. Come on, you Spurs. Oh, brilliant stuff. Listen, ladies and gents, exciting times, as I said, to actually be going there with something riding on it and not just trying to get ourselves out of the doldrums of mid-table. This is what we all signed up for. This is why we love football. This is why we love Spurs. We will see you again midweek after the Liverpool game. And as always, as Lee, as Jamie, as John said, come on, you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.